You've tuned into Bombproof Recovery Radio, your access to today's best addiction recovery ideas, tools, and experts. Listen in and you will learn what is and what isn't working today. Now, let's get Bombproof with your host, James Healy. Hey, this is James. Welcome to the show. My goal is to provide you, your loved ones, and anyone you know who needs one, a helping hand to find success in recovery so they can live the life they desire, the life they deserve. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know about my free sobriety course, which will help anyone seeking a sober lifestyle find a successful path. Check it out at bombproofrecovery.com. And hey, if if you're new to recovery and trying to detox on your own, please seek professional help and supervision if you're coming off of alcohol or benzos, because that can kill you. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to one of our supporters, The Addictions Coach. Now, The Addictions Coach is the nation's foremost network of sober coaches, recovery coaching, and sober companion specialists. If you are looking to get unstuck from your addiction and recovery challenges, get in touch with The Addictions Coach. They have been featured on all the major networks and shows like Dr. Phil, Oprah, Good Morning America, and more. The Addictions Coach is completely discreet and their programs are customized to your individual needs. Check them out at theaddictionscoach.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's estimated that now about 2 billion people worldwide are overweight with about 600 million of those folks obese. So do you struggle with an overwhelming food or sugar craving? Well, obviously you're certainly not alone. And also, have you managed to get sober, quit drinking or doing drugs only to find yourself downing buckets of ice cream, enough chocolate to choke the Easter bunny and donuts by the dozen, rapidly gaining weight and feeling like crap? This too is also very common and actually a story I know (laughs) too well. My guest today is Susan Pierce Thompson, and she has some fascinating insight into why this is all happening, this um, mega addiction to food and sugar. She's a psychology professor, a brain and cognitive scientist, and an expert in the psychology of eating. She's president of the Institute for Sustainable Weight Loss and, and CEO of Brightline Eating Solutions, a company dedicated to helping people achieve long-term sustainable weight loss. Her program utilizes cutting-edge research to explain how the brain blocks weight loss. And most importantly, her new book, Brightline Eating, The Science of Living Happy, Thin, and Free, outlines this program, which is as far as I know, the most effective solution to this worldwide epidemic. Susan, so good to have you back. Thank you. Oh, James, it's good to be back. Awesome. It really is. Well, congratulations on the book and Yay! getting it out there is really awesome. I really enjoyed oh. reading it. And uh, like I was mentioning to you before we started recording, I know so many people who are in need of this. I mean, like, wow, this obesity epidemic and sugar addiction is just kind of spinning out of control. 
Yeah, it is. I, I mean, the the future projections are just horrific. Like on the path we're on, and you know, I just I just get this stuff off the news. But you know, off right. the path we're on, apparently, <laughs> you know, fifty percent of us are going to be obese by twenty thirty. Fifty percent obese by twenty thirty. Like it's that's not that far away. No, and that's that's the tra- the trajectory we're on. You know, and um. A third of our kids are going to have diabetes. Half of our kids of color are going to have diabetes. Um, and, you know, diabetes comes with blindness, foot, you know, leg amputation. Yeah. Like it's it, it's no joke. Yeah. No, we're what we're tolerating already is pretty mind boggling. And, you know, the um, the, the consequences, the, the pinch, the just the load of shouldering, you know, the way we're eating is going to get unbearable. I mean, the the financial consequences alone are just, you know, we're eating ourselves into the poorhouse. It's bad. It's really, really bad. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. The cost of the healthcare revolving around this is just astronomical. Yeah. And I should have fabulous statistics at my, <laughs> at my fingertips too. for that. I'm I don't, you know, but we, we <laughs> oh, uh, here's one. I think, I think the World Economic Forum estimated that we're going to spend $47 trillion on this over the next few years. $47 trillion. Like, yeah, it's just, that's, yeah. You can't even um, imagine. That's too no, much. No, so much money. Comprehend, <laughs> right? too much. That's too much money. Oh yeah. Gosh. So before we dive into how uh, your Brightline eating program works, why don't you uh, give us a little back history on what led you to start this global movement? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I'm a junkie, right? This is like a recovery podcast, right? So can yeah, I just say, cause I'm a junkie. Um, I know. Well, your book is awesome because you, you are, you come clean. Like you tell it all. Like I've heard some stories in some meetings and yours is, uh, right up there with some of the good ones. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's the first chapter in the book. Well, it's the introduction, technically, but it's like, yeah, it's how the book starts. It's like, you know, I'm not just, you know, the president of the hair club, you know, I'm also a member or whatever. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, um, totally. So, I mean, I, so I don't know when my food addiction started, but it was probably the first addiction, you know, it was the first one. I mean, I remember, I remember marshmallows when I was five vividly, you know, I remember, I remember making cookies with my mom and, and, um, you know, like watching her face to see when she would be looking away so I could sneak a big, you know, spoon, you know, fingerful of the cookie dough out of the bowl and into my mouth without her seeing, you know, did you ever, Um, I'm sorry, did you ever break the law for your food addiction? I stole a pack of gum when I was like three. I put it in my diaper. Maybe I was younger. I put it in my diaper. I was waddling and I stole a pack of gum at the grocery store and put it in my diaper, which I, was clean, by the way. I know this? I know. I, I stole I waddled some, out of the grocery store. Yeah, I stole some caramels from the grocery store when I was not much older than that. Same thing, you know? I could see them. Yeah. They were at eye level at the checkout and I like put them in my pocket and then my mom busted me. Because I was in my bedroom sneaking them and being quiet. She knew something was up. And I had to go back to the store and return them and apologize. Well, that was your first night stop. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> your mom knew exactly what to do with you. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so you were an early addict. To, uh, I was an early food addict. Yeah. And then, you know, I was over- overweight at the age of 12. And, you know, when you're a girl at, who's 12, you know, you don't want to be overweight, you know. And for me, I gained all my weight in my middle. Like I, when I 
had even 10 extra pounds on me, they all, I just became sort of barrel chested, like just a big apple shape with two little (laughs) skinny stick legs. I mean, I really did. I looked like an apple with two toothpicks sticking out of the bottom. Uh Um, And, you know, so I remember freshman year of high school, you know, trying to join this like cheering squad and we got measured for uniforms. And like I sucked in my stomach so hard during that measuring session that when that uniform actually came, I couldn't wear it. It was it was, um, you know, cutting off my circulation. And, um, you know, so I found, you know, I did mushrooms when I was 14 and um, that was my first you know, that was sort of what, what sent me off on the path with drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, I did mushrooms all night. I tripped. I had a fabulous time. I had a those, one of those mind-bending, you know, spheres of the universe align and the angels sing kind of psychedelic right. experiences. That's just the best right. thing ever. You know, if you're going to relive one night of your life, that's the one. That's, the, that's it, yeah. You, you <laughs> and, try to relive um, that every other time after that. Exactly, right? right? That works. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then I got home, slept it off for 24 hours, and I weighed myself um, naked every morning as I did every single morning. And I'd lost seven pounds, you know, in one mushroom trip. And, um, you know, it was something just clicked for me. It was like, not only was that amazing, not only did nobody die, not only did we not go to jail, because I had the the Nancy Reagan just say no sort of campaign in my head. I thought, you know, this is your brain on drugs, you know, and I was kind of, we were doing these drugs was my first time. And I was kind of waiting for somebody's head to blow up or something, you know, like, um, where, where, where's the awful thing with, there was nothing awful. And I was egg. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those pictures. Yeah. So, um, basically, you know, for the next six years, I did more and more drugs and found the ones that worked better and better for weight control, crystal meth, cocaine, crack cocaine, dropped out of high school, burned my life to the ground. You know, the drugs took on a life of their own. Mm -hmm. There was always when I would consider quitting, though, the specter of I'll get fat, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'll get fat. And um, I got clean and sober when I was 20. Um, and I did, <laughs> I got that. <laughs> and you know, at that point, the drugs, I mean, at that point I was a crack addict, prostitute, you know, homeless, like at that point, my life had gotten so scary and just so out of control that, um, I didn't care that I was going to get, I just needed some sanity. Like I, I just needed to get out of that madness. Right. Um, so I stopped smoking crack. I got clean and, uh, and boom, I put on, you know, a lot of weight and, and it was like, it was only okay, James, for, I don't know, six months, you know, however long it was for me to sort of get oriented to the 12 step rooms and like get grounded a little bit and start working the steps. And then before I knew it, I was like, here I am fat again. Like, oh, I hated being fat. Right. Hated being, every step I took, every breath I took, every Every time, you know, I had to get dressed, every time I had to show up yeah. in public, every time I had to buy clothes, it was like that that weight was just I just didn't want it on my body. I it was it was awful. So I marched myself down to Overeaters Anonymous and that started 20 some odd years in the rooms of food recovery, mm-hmm. um, more or less, mostly less successful. Um, and you know, it was one of the sort of things I banged my head against the wall on like that, that, you know, OA didn't work like AA and NA did where, you know, I didn't just kind of get told, I just didn't get handed the formula. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like here's you. There was a lot of hemming and hawing. Like I couldn't figure out what sobriety was. Like somebody tell me what sobriety is. And they're like, well, you know, find someone who has what you want and ask them how they did it. And it's like, well, someone please just tell me what to do. 
and you know, my program is, it, we call them bright lines. These mm-hmm. are the clear, unambiguous boundaries that you just don't cross. When you come into A, the bright line is clear. Don't drink. Right. You come into NA, the bright line is clear. Don't do drugs. And by the way, alcohol is a drug, right. you know, and um, you go into a food program and it's like, you know, you need someone to tell you what the bright lines are. Like you need to, you know, if you're an addict and you're walking through an addictive environment, you better know what the first drink is. You know, mm-hmm. you better know what is the action because of course it's one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the 10th beer that gets you drunk. It's the first one, right? It's the first sip that does it. So you better know what's the first sip, what's the first bite essentially. So that was a challenge. And finally, I did find a 12-step program. There are 12-step programs that are very clear about what the first bite is. And I, I found one and I worked it hard for 11 years and I lost my excess weight. And and then the challenge was um, <laughs> nobody that I knew wanted to do it because it was so fanatical. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and um, that's the, the, yeah. yeah, there were like there's like seven solid 12 step food programs, maybe more, but seven that I know of that have significant membership and good communities and stuff. And they run there's sort of a range. But in general, um there's there's sort of this spectrum from sort of loosey-goosey on one end where people generally aren't experiencing physical recovery. They're not losing their weight. They're not really getting freedom from food obsession. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the other end of the continuum, you do find a lot of physical recovery. And you also find a lot of sort of fanaticism and controlling sponsorship. And um, in, in general, like they're not not, you know, uh, not always, but in general. And, um, so you have to kind of really, really surrender. You have to just be like, okay, I'm just going to do what my sponsor tells me to do, you know? And of course this is where it gets really challenging that there's no quality control out in sponsor land, right? Like, right. you know, <laughs> you know, there's no training. Right, there's no. Yeah. So like, you got to really shop around to find a sponsor who like, on the one hand can hold you accountable for what you want to be committed to. And on the other hand, you know, isn't going to start telling you, you can't take that vacation. You should quit that job, you know, da, 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 where it's like, well, wait a second. Like, where's the part where like, I'm being guided back to my inner voice and my higher power to lead my life. Right. So, but, but the bigger issue, James, is really that in the world of food, like not everybody who has a weight problem is a food addict that needs a 12-step food program, right? Well, so I, I developed a susceptibility quiz that that tells people how susceptible their brain is to the to food addiction so that they know kind of how seriously do they need to take these bright lines and how likely are they to be successful without bright lines. Because if you're if you're hardcore addicted, probably an abstinence model is going to be the way to go. But if you're sort of only so so addicted, you know you've got some cravings on board, you've got you know some stuff going on, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not off the edge yet. Then you can kind of craft a more middle of the road solution. So that was the bigger issue. Is like out in the food world, you've got you know my fitness pal and spark people where people are kind of counting calories. Mm-hmm. You've got watchers where you're essentially you're counting points points, which is, you know, a slightly more sophisticated method of counting calories. Um, You know, is there a really solid abstinence model that's out there in the commercial weight loss market? Not really, not until bright line eating, you know, where there's a community of people who are like, you know, we just don't eat sugar. We just don't eat flour. We give this stuff up and it brings us more peace than trying the moderation road, you know? Right. And then over time too, your brain starts to crave those things less. I mean, it takes several weeks 
Correct. Our research shows that <clears throat> a shocking percentage of people, like like over 50 percent, experience little to no cravings after the first week. Oh, wow. Um, and that percentage goes up to 84% by the end of our eight-week online boot camp. So at the end of eight weeks, 84% of people are experiencing basically little to no cravings ever. Wow. Um, but for, for a lot of people, that's that's true already after, after the first week. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, that is amazing. So it's just that first few days, <laughs> which is really hard. I mean, those... People get stuck in their, their kind of their routines at work where there's donuts and snacks available or even like my thing was to have ice cream. I had like this ritual of ice cream every evening after my son was down for bed and it just kind yeah. of became this nightly thing. And then I didn't like if I missed it, it felt weird. Yeah. So it's hard to give that yeah. up. What about, so if someone is very, they have to be on this kind of abstinence style diet to, you know, deal with their their addiction to food and their cravings. Uh, what if they relapse? Are they Do they go back to square one? You know how they talk about that in 12 step meetings is like, if you relapse, you're, you're right where you were or, or you're continued on the path and it's, you're in even a worse place. Um, we, we talk a lot in bright line eating about what happens when you fall off the bright lines, because especially with food, I think it's, you know, complete perfect abstinence always is just, you know, it exists, but it's, it's rarer. Mm -hmm. So I've been clean and sober for 22 years and not to say that that came easily. I mean, we all know that getting sober is a, it's a. You know, it's it's a, a thing, right? It's not road a, a hoe, it's not easy. Say, right? yeah. yeah, it's a road to hoe. <laughs> but, to um, <laughs> but food, you know, I've been doing the food thing for just a year less than that, you know, 20, you know, one and a half years. Mm -hmm. And um, it has not been perfect at mm -hmm. all. And I'm I'm in a right size body right now. And I, you know, that for me, I'm five, three, I'm pretty petite. That's a size four. And I've been a size four now for 13 years, other than two pregnancies where I get gained, you know, the, 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 you know, standard, you know, yeah, good amount of weight well. loss, yeah. right. Yeah. I've maintained my weight loss, but there've been moments where I've fallen off the wagon with food and had to get back on. And I teach people how to, how to focus on doing that adaptively and successfully, not the falling off part, but the resuming part. So we have a saying in Brightline Eating, simply resume. I got mm -hmm. that from a program. I didn't make that up, but simply resume. And I think with food, it's more important than ever, because if you look at the stats, here are the stats, James. Mm -hmm. In America, 108 million people are on a diet each year. That's been true now. That's been holding steady for about five years. 108 million people every year are spending money on diet-related products and services. Wow. 108 million. They average four to five new attempts each year. So, and uh, these are probably new <laughs> programs or new yeah. new styles or, oh, I heard about this diet or whatever it is. That's yeah. right. Exactly. So what I teach people is when you start Bright Line Eating, you're done with that. Like right. we're, we're not sending you back to day one over and over again. We're just going to start you on a journey Where and were. teach you how to get more and more successful no matter what it looks like, you need to be unstoppable. This is this is a hell of a road to track this food thing. And um, we are not doing the I ate a piece of pizza. Fuck it. I'll eat the whole pizza. Can I say that on your podcast? Yeah, Sorry. yeah you sure can. Yeah. 
Um, we start again, you know, on the first of the month. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. We're again Monday morning. Like, you know, no, because that is it's a maladaptive approach to the journey that what that basically says is I don't need to resume quickly. I can take my time at it and sink right into the relapse while I'm at it. It says, you know, I don't need to worry about the lesson here. I can just, you know, kind of go la 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 and stick my fingers in my ears and just assume that all I need really to get this right now is a fresh new start. Right. Right. Which is like, well, wait a second. Something just happened there. Life showed up and you ate. Like, we need to look at that, right? Yeah. And it says, I don't need any social support. I'm just going to isolate myself and keep eating for a while until I'm disgusted enough that I'm ready to resume, you know, on yeah. Monday or the, the month or whatever. And I'm going to just beat myself up a little bit while I do it, right? That's what it also says. It's like, I'm just right. going to call myself names inside my own head. So all of, we turn all that around. We call it the four S's. The four S's of, of resuming effectively and adaptively are speed self-talk, like curious, gentle, supportive self-talk, social support, and seeking the lesson. And we help people practice and practice and practice adaptive, successful resuming until they resume so well that, you know, they can feel the resume as they're even considering picking up the bite. And it makes the whole, it just, it diffuses the whole cycle. Right. We also have a big chunk of people. I would wager, there's no way to do research on this because 12-step programs are notoriously impervious to scientific study, but but I would wager that we have as many people as a percentage of the total population, as many people who have perfect back-to-back bright lines from their day one as any 12-step program out there with for food. So I don't think my focus on resuming adaptively actually is making people pick up the bite who, who have been on their bright right. lines since day one. For everybody else, it's creating an entirely different type of journey. Well, yeah, which I think is important. Yeah, food. I think so. And I, because I think a lot of people might struggle with this whole lifetime thing too, where even to start, they're like, oh, now I got to give up ice cream for the rest of my life or whatever it is. And if you can say, well, well James, it's just for, it's just James, for today. Is this one day at a time? Yeah, exactly. One day at a time. Yeah. I know, but one you, day at a time, bud. I know, but you hear it all the time. It's so knowing that even if you do relapse, it's okay. And that well, you can kind of, no, you can I kind don't of resume back in there. No, you don't want to don't encourage want people. To, no, that's not the, that's not the reframe there. Don't worry about not eating ice cream forever. You can have a break and resume. No. <laughs> Um, the, the reframe there is, you know, you don't, there's no world in which you're choosing what you're going to eat in three months. Like you're only choosing what you're going to eat today, you know? So it's the same as with, you know, I was 20 when I stopped drinking and drugging and my 21st birthday was nine months away. And, um, you know, I was freaking out in my first month of sobriety. What was I going to do on my 21st birthday? Right. You know, um, and you know, they told me, keep it in the day, you know, right. got that one out when you get there. And he did. So, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Let's go over these, the, the bright lines. Like the, you, there aren't too many of them. It's pretty easy for people to kind of comprehend what they are, right? The ones that yeah, they have to four. kind of follow. Yeah. There's four bright lines. The bright lines are number one, no sugar. Mm-hmm. And that means nothing added to your food to make it sweeter. So that means also no honey. It means no artificial sweeteners of any kind, including stevia, including truvia, including aspartame, including saccharin, including all of them. It means no maple syrup. It means no 
glycerin. It means no maltodextrin. There's lots of different names for sugar, so you got to be careful there. Mm-hmm. Um, no artificial sweeteners. No artificial yeah. sweeteners. They right. actually impact the brain very similar to sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And they disrupt the gut microbiota and cause blood glucose dysregulation. They result in... Um, in certain studies with different animals, they've resulted in um, the consumption of 50% more calories later and also profound sugar-seeking behavior. So the minute real sugar is available, going for it hardcore. So yeah, no, artificial sweeteners are out. They they hit the tongue and the tongue, the taste buds, the sweet taste buds on the tongue have a direct connection to the addiction centers in the brain. So that dopamine rush that we need to heal from mm-hmm. uh, is happening for artificial sweeteners too. Yeah. yeah. So no Diet Coke. No Diet Coke. (laughs) It doesn't work. Okay. And the next bright line? Um, No flour. No flour. And that means no flour of any kind. No whole grain flour, no stone ground flour, no oat flour, no almond flour, no coconut flour, no no flour. It's the grinding down process that, that makes it a problem. It's not about wheat. It's not about gluten. It's not about any particular plant. It's about the process. All right. Hey, everyone. This is James. And uh, unfortunately, we have to take a quick break here because uh, during this interview with Susan, my computer and Skype and microphone were not talking to each other very well. And uh, it kind of cut out during this part where we were uh, discussing the four bright lines. Now we got into uh, bright lines one and two, which were no sugar, no flour, and the next bright lines are eating at mealtimes only and avoiding snacks. And then also Susan's program has you uh, measure your food by weight. And so it really simplifies it and uh, helps you keep your decision making to a minimum, which is important. So. Let's join back in with our discussion. We're talking about our struggles with uh, snacking and sticking to mealtimes. All right. Now, the snacking thing would be the hardest for me. Like, I, we're just a snacking culture. We're always yeah. little bits of snacks and we justify, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit hungry, so I'm, yeah. I got a little time before dinner. I'm going to have a snack or a bedtime oh, snack or whatever it is. It was so hard for me. It was the hardest for me, too, James. Oh, my God. I'll never forget it. It was it was May 22nd of 2003, the first day I ever tried to eat like this. And I'd written down what I was going to eat the night before, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And and then that morning, I ate breakfast. It was like 7.30 in the morning, and I was bringing my breakfast dishes into the kitchen and dropping them in the sink. And it hit me. It hit me. James. I don't get to eat anything until lunch. <laughs> and I and like and then I was like, oh, that's like five hours away. And I like I can't even describe to you the sinking of my stomach, like the pit. I was like, there's there was no way that I was going to survive. Right. And uh, I went back to bed. <laughs> I crawled back in bed and I slept for like four of those five hours. I can make yeah, it. Till, yeah, right. <laughs> if I'm just asleep. 
I couldn't face it. I crawled back. I pulled the covers over my head and I like hid from the, the thought of life without putting food in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. my gosh. Now, all of this, these bright lights then help your brain kind of retrain itself to um, reduce the cravings and kind of work the way it's supposed to, right? You talk in your book a lot about, uh, you know, leptin and different things like this. I don't want to get too scientific for folks, but that's definitely what's happening, right? Yeah, totally. You start to heal your brain. And, um, you know, if anyone out there is feeling like panicked and bleak about the thought of (laughs) not having sugar and flour, not eating in between meals, I just want to say that's your dopamine down regulation talking. That's the part of your brain that... It's your addiction reward center, and it's come to really rely on that hit from constant access to food and some sugar and flour treats, you know, pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. And when you even consider removing that, that part of the brain starts to feel so desperate and and so itchy and so bleak. Um, That heals actually pretty quickly. And um, one of the first research studies I want to do with an fMRI machine um, so here in the n- very near future, I have a new faculty appointment in the Department of Brain and Cognitive Sciences at the University of Rochester. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to do an fMRI study on what exactly that dopamine regeneration looks like. Uh, those dopamine receptors heal. We know they heal pretty quickly. Like I said in my, in my research on my boot campers, within one to eight weeks, you know, almost everybody, you know, 84% of people experience no cravings anymore and that's that's the healing of that part of the brain it heals in some people it takes a lot longer about three percent of the population have really bad cravings at first and the cravings are just as bad at the end of the boot camp Hmm. so in some people it takes quite a bit longer to heal Hmm. yeah well i did i know this is a challenge for a lot of people who quit drinking or doing drugs is that they're just they have their cravings for those that dopamine hit and so they they start eating, you know, half gallons of ice cream at one time. And you know, my thing was the big bags of M&Ms. They just yeah. keep popping them in one after oh, just handful, handful, handful. And they can often lead to relapse because it's not quite satisfying like your, your uh, vodka tonic was or whatever your drug of choice was before. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can get that or something after it's the same part of the brain and you're keeping that part of the brain from healing. That's right. It's the, it's the dopamine receptors and the nucleus accumbens that got downregulated because vodka tonics or, you know, gallons of ice cream or whatever. Um, they're, they're, they're substances that, that really our brain never evolved to handle. They're sort of artificially, I mean, pornography is another good example. Oh, yeah. You know, our brain never evolved to handle sexual stimuli and that kind of potency, right. like donuts, you know, like we just don't have anything in the natural world that's anywhere near that potent. Um, crack cocaine, another good example. Nothing in the natural world, coca leaves on the bush are not, you know, they're like, you know, one five thousandth as potent (laughs) as that. that. So, yeah. So you're giving the brain stimulation in doses that it just never evolved to handle. And, and it's all kind of interchangeable, you know, that dopamine rush can be gotten in all kinds of ways, you know, it'll all keep that part of the brain from healing for sure. So yeah, I can see why that would lead to relapse. I mean, I'm lucky that for me, it didn't. I've had the feeling though, James, that one of the reasons I've been clean and sober as long as I have is that I've had other addictions to act out with. Um, (laughs) They just shifted. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, well, it's, I, you know. I'm afraid that that does happen to some people. You know, they, maybe they, they start smoking more. A lot of people who are drinkers are also smokers. And then now they're smoking more and they're eating more sugary yeah. stuff and, and they're drinking the more coffee. And, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, but it's good to know that if you give it time, your brain's going to heal and those cravings for that sweetness and everything, the dopamine hit's going to start to heal itself. So It does. And then all kinds of other things follow from that, right? Because sugar is a depressant like alcohol mm-hmm. and um, so mood starts to raise and stabilize. Chronic clinical depression often alleviates. Um, I was on massive doses of antidepressants and super clinically depressed mm-hmm. in sobriety. That lifted for me after I changed my eating and started following the bright lines. And other um, other health benefits too, like inflammation goes down. Your, your oh, gosh, arthritis yes. or any sort of pain and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's totally. Totally. I, I think a big struggle for so many people too is that. They know they should be eating better, but they don't. People understand that they should be eating uh, a more healthy diet. We've all heard of the, the good things we should be eating and we shouldn't be eating donuts or fast food or whatever it is. But we still make these choices on a daily basis. Is this, does, can you attribute this to That's, anything like the willpower yeah. gap that you talk about? Like at the totally. end of the day, it's so easy to order a pizza instead of yeah, making kale totally. salad. And that this is where... This is this what you just said sort of highlights the sort of the state of immaturity of our thinking about how to get our society to lose weight and and be healthy is that educating people more about what to eat and what not to eat has nothing to do with a real solution. Like the the solution does not lie there. Mm -hmm. Like and, and it doesn't even lie in helping people to be more motivated. People are already motivated and they can't do it because it's not about learning what to eat and what not to eat. It's about how do you execute that Mm -hmm. day in and day out in the culture that we live in with our brains rewired the way they've been rewired. Mm -hmm. And the answer is it's almost impossible unless you happen to, you know, do the Bright Line Eating Boot Camp, which provides you with a really multi-pronged framework within a community, you know, similar to how 12-step programs sort of Mm -hmm. crack the nut where they give you not just one thing. They give you like a whole bunch of really helpful mantras to use, a community of support to lean on, meetings to go to, 12 steps to work. There's like a whole systematic thing. It's not just like if you just went into bars and told alcoholics like, hey, you need to stop drinking. That's unhealthy for you. (laughs) And here's like, here's a a 20-minute video on what it's doing to your brain and your body and your blood vessel. How it's, you know, and they're like, well, Freaking thing! Like, what are the odds that that guy's going to be sober a year later? Right? Like, slim to none. Uh, yeah, slim to none. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's really about execution over the long term, and that's what bright line eating. Bright line eating is not about telling you to eat broccoli and not donuts. You know, like right. we figure we know that already. Thank right. you very much. <laughs> yeah. You know. Exactly. So the question is, six months from now, how are you going to guarantee me that I'm going to be eating broccoli and not donuts? You know, today I'm fully motivated. Great. That'll last a few days. Right. You know, now how do we manage the execution of this over the long term? And that's what that's what bright line eatings are, you know, really masterful at is helping to, to crack that nut. Yeah. And to to create this framework that develops into long term habits. Right. Because we're going to use habits to structure our days. That's the whole key right there. That's Mm -hmm. the whole key. You've got to get it out of the part of the brain that's deliberating on choices. And you got to get it part of the brain 
that's executing automatic behavior sequences like brushing your teeth. Yeah. Um, you got to get eating to be just like brushing your teeth. And I know that there's people out there who don't brush their teeth regularly, but 95% <laughs> of us do. 95% of us will be nodding when do. I say you brush your teeth every morning and every night, whether you're tired, whether you've had a bad day, whether you've gotten enough sleep, whether you're traveling, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's New Year's Eve and you've been at a party, you brush your teeth before you collapse into bed. And that's the kind of resilience that we need in our system of eating so that it it gets executed automatically with no choices involved right. by the part of the brain that just does what it does on autopilot. It's like it's like starting your car, backing out of the driveway, merging into traffic, you know, getting to work. We want you eating like you do that. It doesn't matter how you feel about it, what you're wanting, what you're not wanting. The part of the brain that's even thinking about what it wants or doesn't want isn't even coming online. Like you're already weighing out your oatmeal and eating your blueberries and your nuts in the morning right. as your mind is wandering, thinking about other things. Like there's no part of your brain that's even thinking about what to have for breakfast. It's already, it's already it's done you for know, you. Yeah, executed. Right. It's done for you. But it's, it's hard to get to that point. Just ask my son who's three and a half and he doesn't want to brush his teeth ever. <laughs> well, I got bad news for you, James. My daughters are eight and a half and eight and a half and five and a half. Mm. And, uh, you know, that one lasts a long time. So that's a good point. Like, you know, we get that teeth brushing automatically. It took our parents years of hard work <laughs> right. to establish that. Don't underestimate what it takes to set something up and make it automatic. Right. Well, and that's, I think, part of any sort of recovery process, too, from any addiction is that it takes it takes some work. You got to be willing to put in some work to to get to the reward. And knowing that reward is there is kind of the, you know, keep the eye on the prize and and you'll get there. Totally. So Totally. And that's that's what my program is for, is for people who are who they have the willingness, they have the motivation, they have the willingness. They're just looking for a roadmap that works. They're desperate for a roadmap. They're praying for a roadmap that works. Finally, they cannot understand why with all of their determination, they have not been able to lose their weight and keep it off. Um, and, you know, when they find Bright Line Eating, it's, it is literally the answer to their prayers. It finally clicks it into place for them. The light comes on. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. A couple quick questions and I'll let you go. What's your favorite animal? <laughs> What's my favorite, <laughs> yeah. favorite animal? Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite you know, animal? My favorite animal is a Bernie's cat. Oh. And um, I had Burmese cats when I was a kid growing up, two of them always. Mm -hmm. And um, and my husband and my daughter Zoe are both allergic to cats oh. and we don't have cats. And I, I'm so heartbroken. I miss having cats. I'm kind of a cat snob, though. I don't just want an alley cat. I want a bur for those, anyone who doesn't know what a Burmese cat is. Google it. They're, they're beautiful. They're like the sleek brown Egyptian ones. They're like the they're intelligent. They act like dogs. They'll jump up and sit in your lap. They'll come. They'll sit. And and but they're these beautiful cats. And I miss my Burmese cats. That's awesome. We had cats when I was a kid, too. It was kind of cool. And now and we have a dog. We're dog people. Then. Well, what do you not like to do? Is there anything you don't like? Yep. Uh, I don't like checking email anymore. Um, I, I, as a professor, <laughs> as a professor, I was a tenured psychology professor. Right? I was a right. professor for 13 years and a graduate student before that and everything. I, um, I was one of those professors that you sent me an email, you'd have an answer within an hour or two, like just boom. I was so on top of my email. Now I have, uh, James, I think I have nine full-time employees that answer email <laughs> for me and we can't even get it all, all done. And it's just this unwieldy freaking. Uh. I mean, we do our best, but it's like, 
uh, I just hate it. I hate I hate that there's too much in there. I hate that there's every time I go in there, it's like an unwinnable game. It's like there's too many pulls on me. Right. Things I'm I say yes to that I have to say no to. Um, just I just hate it. it email is the bane of my existence. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I think I just it's hate a, it. a lot of people's. Um, what's one one bad habit you still have that you're trying to get rid of? Do you have any? I'm now perfect, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was. Uh, no. uh, yeah, dithering with technology too late in the evening, which keeps me from getting enough sleep. I'm, I'm, I have tools in place. Like I plug in my smartphone downstairs and don't bring it upstairs with me. That helps. Um, uh, and so sometimes I'm turning out the lights when I want to be, but not as consistently as I would like. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. All right. Well, how can we find out more about you, Bright Light and Eating and your new book? My book that comes out today. That's it. Mark- That's so awesome. Well, brightlineeating.com is a good way. B-R-I-G-H-T-B-R-I-G-H-T-L-I-N-E, brightlineeating.com. And, you know, if you go to that website, there's a there's a tab there for the book and you can get the book there. Of course, you can always order it on Amazon or whatever. Take the quiz. People yeah. out there should take the quiz to know how susceptible their brain is to the pull of addictive foods. Like, where are you on the susceptibility scale? I'm a 10. Yeah. Um, I'm like sounds a, like you're I'm like a, a 8, 9, or 10. Yeah, I'm like a 7. I came out a 7, seven. but some days I feel like an 8 or 9. <laughs> it depends yeah. on the day. So. Yeah. But. And, you know, 1s. I have friends. I literally have friends who are 1s. Um, yeah. Actually, my writing coach for the book, Bright Line Eating, is a one. I had someone help me write this book mm-hmm. who's like one on the susceptibility scale. <laughs> I just don't get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well, awesome. I'll have the links on my website, too, to get there. And uh, everyone, if you, you have to know someone who needs this book and this program. I know several. I've already pre-ordered <laughs> books for uh, some folks I know who could uh, benefit from this wisdom and this program. So thanks again, Susan. It's been wonderful. Oh, you're so welcome, James. Great to be with you again. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Bombproof Recovery Radio. For show notes, our free sobriety course, and more, head on over to bombproofrecovery.com. Here's your story, let's begin. The water's fine, come on, dive in. The future's here, it's right before your eyes. Step by step, you're on your way. Welcome to a brighter day. Don't you know it feels good to be alive? You could be larger than life. Could be larger than life
could be alive. 